or back to the Undignified Joy podcast. My name is Emily and I am so ecstatic to have you here and listening today. I have such a word from the good Lord baby Jesus for you this week and no matter what your week has been looking like, whether it's been amazing, awful, terrible, good, or just the good in between of a whole lot of nothing, I am praying that you would be able to walk away from this episode with just some new knowledge and understanding of how much your Father in Heaven loves you. And so, without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. And I'm just so excited for everything that I've planned to talk about. And the whole kind of topic that I'm going to be talking on today is like a mixture between miracles slash um and just spiritual and godly visions. And so uh, it's going to be a whole mixture of things. And for some, that might not sound like it goes together. But trust me, it does. Because today we are looking at a story in the book of Mark chapter 8. And it's found in um, chapter 8 verses 22 through 26. So it's only four verses. But there is so much power and so much conviction found in these four verses for me personally. And I remember hearing a sermon, um, maybe it was about three years ago now, and the sermon has stuck with me ever since, kind of on this topic. And um, if you've ever stepped into a church before, or if you grew up in the church, whatever your religious background may look like... um, most people know this story in the Bible, and it's when Jesus heals the blind man at Bethsaida. And so immediately when we read this story or when we hear about this story, our focus goes to, wow, a blind man was healed like Jesus made him see again. And that alone brings so much power and just like, wow, mind boggling. But something I love so, so much is when preachers, pastors, people just, um, talking about the Word of God and digging deeper into it, I love so much when they don't focus on just what's right in front of you, when they dig deeper than just the shallow that um, you read straight away. And I think that also comes a lot when you read Scripture multiple times, when you've read um, a chapter or just a couple verses over and over and over again, God reveals something new every single time. And so that's exactly what I plan on doing today is just showing you kind of a different perspective of these verses and what they mean, what they're talking about, and what um, how they can just dig deeper into you and your life. And so with all of that being said, I have about four and a half or five points that I'm going to share with you guys about this scripture. And we're just going to go verse by verse and kind of break it all down. Um, So first, I'm just going to read the whole passage as a whole so that you guys can get a picture of what this looks like. And then I'm just going to break it down and share all of my thoughts and points that the good Lord baby Jesus was speaking to me because man, oh man, I say this every time, but he was speaking, y'all. So let's do it. Again, this is found in the New Testament, Mark chapter 8, verses starting at verse 22. Um, It's titled, Jesus Heals a Blind Man at Bethsaida. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? 
And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And there are endless points that I could probably touch on when it comes to this passage, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to start by touching on the part where it says that Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And so the first time I read this, I thought that that was a very weird and odd detail to add to the healing, right? Because think about it, like Jesus is this most powerful savior who has ever existed, who ever will exist. And he could literally just walk by someone, heal them without the person even knowing, and be on with his day. But what I love so, so, so much is that Jesus made this moment so intentional of being with this man. And so my first point is that Jesus won't do the miracle if you're still in the negative narrative. As I was just thinking about this um, last night, I was reading all through this passage, just writing down notes for things I could talk about, and I just felt Jesus speaking this one thing over me. And he said, how can you expect to live in a place that's deficient in holiness, purpose, and devotion, but expect the outcome of sufficient blessings and miracles? And the second that Jesus said that, I was just like, holy guacamole why have i never thought about that like living in an imperfect world means that we are constantly putting ourselves in situations where we're being torn down in um, the environment that we're in or we're just not in god godly environments where it's building up our character building up our strength and our faith we put ourselves in situations where um it takes our attention off of God, but we still expect him to show up 1,000% when we're not even showing up close to 100%. And that's not how God works. If you long to see the Lord and if you seek his abundant blessings, if you seek him with your whole heart, you have to change your attitude and your mentality um, in a way that automatically shuts down whatever is keeping you from that. So like friends walk into your life that are um, putting you down the wrong path, that are encouraging you to do things that you know are not honoring God, veto that. There's comparison and there's insecurity creeping in and um, just everyone you meet, you you want to change for them because you think that they're better than you. Um, you're not enough the way you are. You're not worthy the way you are. Veto that. Sin, shame, captivity comes in from just past guilt, past things that you've made mistakes on and missteps and that um, just remind you of when you strayed away from God. Veto those thoughts. Veto all of those things because ultimately when those things are walking into your life, it is Satan trying to distract you. It is the enemy trying to take a hold of your heart because he can tell that you're getting too close to God. See, when Satan attacks us, when um, things are trying to distract us, when busyness grabs a hold of us, it's ultimately because Satan can tell that we are doing everything that we can for the kingdom of God. And so don't be discouraged when things like that walk into your life. But have the strength, have the ability, have the longing to take those things out of your life so that you can see the miracles and the blessings that God has to provide. Leave the negative narrative. And you might be saying, 
that's all great, Emily. Awesome points, whatever. But how do I actually leave the negative narrative? And this is something that I have experienced more than just one time and mostly in um, friend group situations where I have surrounded myself with people who have not brought me closer to God, who have not encouraged me to um, just be my best self and do things to the best of my ability. I have put myself in situations where I had friends just to say I could have friends, but ultimately it was tearing apart my relationship with God It was leading me astray from him. And so after a while, I had to figure out how do I leave this negative narrative? And um, looking back to the story that we were reading in Mark about the man who was healed from his blindness, what I love so, 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 so much about this verse is that Jesus literally took the man by the hand, led him out of the village, healed him, and told him to never enter again. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that, when I read that, that is the most intimate act of love that Jesus could do before performing a miracle. And he didn't have to. Like I said before, he literally could just walk past the man. He could heal him without the man even knowing and go along with his day. And it wouldn't change a thing. The man would still be healed. He would still go on living his life like, yay, whoop-de-doo, I'm healed. But that's the way Jesus could have done it. But he wanted the man's full attention. No distractions from people, no distractions from gossip or fear, no nothing. Jesus sought to be alone with this man, solely focused on his needs. And so it sounds so basic, but by leaving the negative narrative, you have to trust. See, this man was literally blind. Like, Jesus could have been a thief or a murderer for all that he knew, but he took the step of faith. He took Jesus' hand and he trusted that the Lord would lead him out. And I think that we have a very, very hard time trusting, whether it's people in our lives or whether it's the most important person, God, we are not able to just let go and trust. But you look at this and you see that if this man didn't trust Jesus, if this man said, no, I'm okay where I'm at and I'm comfy and I'm okay here, the man's life would have never been changed, right? He had to take that step. He had to um, just give himself a moment where he was able to trust this person he couldn't see, this person he didn't know, but ultimately that led him to a lifelong of new blessings, right? It might be the things of the world that seem fulfilling in the moment, but end up just leading to darker places. Whatever that narrative might be for you, you have to take Jesus's hand and let him lead you out of that. And I remember the first time I ever heard that, I was like, okay, well, home dog. It's not that easy. Like, I'm in the worst point of my life. How can I just take God's hand and let him lead me? It is that simple and that difficult at the same time. Jesus is always pursuing you. He is always stretching out his hand, just waiting for you to take hold and walk alongside him. It's not up to him to be there. He's already there. He's been there. 
it's up to you. It's up to um, whether your heart is willing enough to just say, I trust you, God. I trust that you're going to take hold of me and you're going to lead me out of this negative narrative so that I can be healed, so that I can be made new, so that you can bless me in new ways that I wouldn't be able to be blessed if you never showed up. So first of all, trust that God will lead you out of the negative narrative, but also be willing to take his hand when he does. Be willing to let go of judgment. Be willing to let go of the opinions of imperfect people and just keep your eyes solely focused on the one who created you, the one who loves you unconditionally. And once you do that, being let out of the village that you're in is going to change everything for your life. And so that's what I love so much about this scripture here, that um, some of the greatest and the most faith-growing times in life will happen when we are completely alone with God, right? And in a world full of busyness and a world full of distraction where we're constantly just... um, being told new things, there's constantly noise around us. When we're willing to be led by Jesus to places of solitude and rest and peace, he will rest his spirit upon us in ways that we are unable to within the daily comfort of our lives. And when the Lord takes hold of our soul and our heart and our lives, we must trust him to lead us to places that we never could have gone on our own. And so, man, this story is just so powerful. It gets me every single time that I read it again and every single time that I just um, make new notes about it and just research it, pray about it. Um, It is so, so powerful, the depth of God's love for us, that he doesn't leave us alone where we are. He doesn't want us to figure things out on our own by ourselves because We know that doesn't work out too well. Um, God's love for you is so vast and so much bigger than you could ever imagine. But anyways, I'm rambling because how could I not ramble when it comes to the good Lord, baby Jesus? So that brings me to point number two. We think we have God's best, but he has abundance for the one who believes. Ooh, And so... Going back to the B-I-B-L-E, we look in verse 24. And the man looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hand on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Clearly. Thinking on this moment, just putting myself in the man's shoes, I can just imagine the excitement of this man the first time that Jesus touched him, right? Because he maybe didn't see everything clearly, but he started seeing. And if it were me, I would have taken the half miracle and ran with it. But what the man didn't know was that Jesus is intentional with every aspect of every miracle that he performs. He doesn't, um, mess up he didn't this wasn't a case where he like messed up his miracle and accidentally didn't fully heal the man that is not jesus jesus does everything perfectly everything intentionally everything with a set out purpose for the person that um he's talking to that he's healing that he's interacting with there's a reason for everything that jesus does 
And um, when I read this verse, it reminded me of a verse in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. It says, What no eye has seen, what no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And then also in James 1, 17 as well, every good and perfect gift is from above. Jesus stewarded the man's unbelief with a progressive miracle. He um he saw the man deeper than just on just what was on the outside. He looked deep into what was going on with the man into um his faith, his beliefs, um how much he truly believed or doubted God. Um but Jesus being perfect is only satisfied with perfection and completion. These two verses that I just read show that um, our human understanding doesn't understand how much God wants to bless us, how much he has prepared for us, all the good gifts that he wants to bless us with. Our hearts that expect disappointment and expect people to walk away cannot understand a God who stays, a God who blesses beyond measure, God who blesses beyond what we could even understand or comprehend. But the truth of it is, is that God doesn't just want you to be blessed halfway. And a lot of us are like this man. When we maybe see something that's slightly better than what we're experiencing now, like this man was blind, and then suddenly he sees, not clearly, kind of blurry but he still sees and that's better than what he's experienced for most of his life and we are a lot like that too as imperfect humans we look to the world for a lot of things that satisfy us momentarily a lot of things that satisfy us temporarily but they are not long-lasting satisfactions like the blessings and the miracles of Jesus and so if this man were to have were to have just taken this half blessing and ran with it, he wouldn't have experienced the fullness of God's love. And it says that after he touched the man the second time, his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Sometimes all it takes is a second touch from second Jesus. Second Peter 1 talks a lot about the qualities that we should carry. And in verse 9, it says that for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. We cannot expect the miracle, we cannot expect the blessing or the answered prayer if we are living for the here and now. And you know, actually, now that I'm saying that, that sounds really, really weird, but the reason it sounds weird is because it literally goes against everything that culture tells you, which everyone's always saying, live for the here and now, live in the moment, just be present, man. And yes, I completely am all for that but I think the live in the moment mentality should not go for Christianity because once we're kingdom minded and once um, we're focused on the eternity that's in front of us our spiritual vision and our spiritual eyesight becomes clear as day it's no longer blurred by insignificant things it's no longer blurred by unfulfilling things or temporary things it is now replaced by a godly vision, a vision that's full of purpose. And the Bible actually talks a lot about vision, but it reminded me especially of this verse in Proverbs 29, um, verse 18, which um, 
the pastor at my church was just talking about this on Sunday, and I thought, what better time to talk about this? Um, And the verse says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the teaching. Now, that is a word, and I didn't even know that verse existed up until last Sunday, and so I was just like, wow, that's amazing. Um, But if you look at a dictionary for the definition for the word vision, what would most likely come up, it would say the state of being able to see or plan the future with imagination or something along those lines. And let me just tell you, that's great and all, but the godly biblical definition of vision is so much more powerful, so much more beautiful than the definition of vision, the worldly definition for vision. And so we kind of see this definition in scripture, the scripture that we just read, Proverbs 29, 18. But if we just look at it in a different version, in the English Standard Version, it gives a better translation of what it really means, which actually I forgot to write it down. So let me just look you here real quick, fam. This will only take a second. Okay, I found it. So, Proverbs 2019, English Standard Version. When there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And so, the first time I read this version, I was like, hmm, nice. But I actually read... um. I believe it was on the Blue Letter Bible or something like that. Um, And it was explaining how the biblical definition of vision, it's not just like any old vision. It's a divine communication. It implies literally direct communication between God and his people. And it was also saying how the root words in the translation of prophetic vision refer to literally seeing God. And that's what our true and authentic vision should be. It's seeing God. And out of seeing him, we see his image for our life. The most beautiful vision that someone can have for their life, the most beautiful purpose that someone can have is based around God. It is centered in the one who created that person. And it really makes sense when you think about it. Like if your life has no purpose based around the person who created you, then your life has no purpose at all. If your life's goal and your life's vision is not a direct result of your faith, your love, and your devotion to God, then it means nothing. The most beautiful visions, the most view, the most beautiful spiritual eyesight is when it's rooted in God and in His Word. And so, ladies and gents, my fourth and final point is change your lens. Listen, I'm just going to come out and say, and I've been here before, and honestly, I am here a lot of the time still. A lot of y'all carry the title of being a Christ follower, but every day you choose to look through a worldly lens. And I completely understand, all right? It seems easier. There's less judgment, less opinions of people, less feeling out of place. But if the man in Mark 8 decided that seeing blurry was just good enough, he would have gone his whole life with the crooked vision of who God is. Because he would have said, well, Jesus didn't heal me all the way. Jesus didn't completely fix my vision. It was just halfway. 
he would have seen God as a God who does not heal all the way, as a God who does not restore all the way. If this man settled for just good enough, he would have never looked at God the same. And the same is true with us. God doesn't just want good enough for you. He doesn't long for you to be half healed or half restored or just half okay and then wander back into the village where you lost your vision in the first place. He longs to bless you with more than enough. He longs to satisfy your needs. It's like when he fed the 5,000, 5,000, 3,000? I think there are two different stories. Um, when he fed the lots and lots and cro- of crowds of people, he did not just f- he did not just um, supply enough food to just get by. He made leftovers so that everyone would be satisfied and have extra, even more than they had asked him for. And that is just the kind of God that he is. He is a God of the more and he is the God of the more than enough, the God who satisfies our needs more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And the last thing that I just want to comment on is how at the very end of this passage in Mark 8, he says, do not even enter the village. I'm just going to come out and say it again. A lot of y'all have been healed and a lot of y'all have been restored and touched by the hand of God and led out of those dark places, but you have wandered back into them because it's comfortable. And you have gone back to those places because it's easier. It's just what you know. It's what you've been used to. You like to stay in your comfy little comfort zone. And I'm with you because so do I. But he commands us not to go back into the village, the place where we've been torn down, the places where um, we have lost our vision for all things. We've lost our purpose. We've lost who we are. No wonder Jesus says, don't go back there. Why would you want to lose yourself? Why would you want to lose your purpose or your vision? Okay, God has so much more in store for you outside of where you are. If he's already led you out of the village, stay out of the village. You don't need to go back there. Okay, that's in your past. God has so much more planned for what's ahead of you for the next village that you're going to go to. That is much better than the village that you were in, by the way. And if you're at a point where you're still in the village, where you are just in a place that um, is not God-honoring, is not lifting you or him up, you need to get out of that place, okay? God has blessings on blessings on blessings in store for you. He has so many beautiful gifts that he wants to just pour out onto you, that he wants to just overflow into your life, but that is not possible if you are not putting yourself in a position to receive them. If your heart is not in a posture that is ready to say, God, my full attention is on you. I will receive anything that you have to give me. He will not be able to do it if you're still in the village that you're in. And so just looking back at all of my points, when we leave the village of our lives that is drawing us away from God, when we accept his abundance of provision, when we choose to see through kingdom-minded eyes, and when we realize our God-given vision isn't seen from a worldly lens, The good Lord baby Jesus will do so much more than we can ask, so much more than we can think or imagine that will last more than just a minute. It'll last more than just a day, but it will last in eternity. And yes, I did have to go back and read all of those points so that I would not forget them because that was a mouthful, but that does not take away from this word. Once 
you see and realize, comprehend, understand, believe in your heart each of these things, the Lord will bless you so abundantly. And the Lord will want to use you in such beautiful ways because you yourself have made it out. I can't imagine that the man who was blind that saw after Jesus healed him, I cannot imagine that he spent one day after that healing not helping people, not doing everything he could to make the name of Jesus known and glorified and honored because Jesus touched him. And Jesus didn't just touch him. He made an intentional interaction with him. And that's exactly what he longs for with you. And so I'm praying for this next week that you would be able to have an interaction like that with the one who created you, the one who loves you so deeply, the one who longs for you to um, find better days, better circumstances, new ways to love and honor him. I'm praying that you can be touched and seen and known by him and that you would realize that you already are. And so, my dear, 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 sweet friends, it is about that time to talk to our sweet Heavenly Father. So, like I said last week, if you are driving, do not close your eyes or bow your head, but just open up your heart and let it be in a posture that is ready to receive anything that God wants to send into your life. And so, Jesus, we just thank you for this beautiful time that we have been able to know more about who you are, know more about um, how much you love to bless us. And we just ask that if there are places that we need to leave, if there are places that are not glorifying and honoring you, if there are places that are taking us away from our purpose and our vision, Lord, that you would lead us out. Lord, we ask that we would trust you in leading us out, that we would take that step in faith, that we would um, just take that step of trust and hold your hand, waiting for you to take us out of that negative narrative, Lord. We pray that you would restore our spiritual vision and eyesight, that we would no longer see things through a worldly lens, that we would no longer look at things through imperfection, through their faults, um, through comparison and insecurity, but that we would look at everything through a godly vision. We thank you that you are a God of more than enough, that you are a God who doesn't just settle for okay, who doesn't just settle for good enough, but you long to satisfy us and sustain us, Lord. You long to bless us with things that last a lifetime, that last an eternity, Lord. And we pray that you would just continue doing that this next week, Lord, that we would be so willing to put ourselves in a position that's able to receive what you have to give us, that's able to just, um, receive all of the blessings and the miracles that you have stored up for us, Lord. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for your joy that will follow us. And we thank you for every single thing that you've poured out into our lives this past week and this next week coming up, Lord. It's in your lovely and your precious and holy and special and amazing and powerful, mighty name that we pray. Amen. Y'all, that's all me and Jesus got for you today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, 
then please, please, please come back and listen to the next episode because there will be many more like it, many more. Um, hopefully that will be able to speak into your life, into your hearts, that you are just able to learn so much about who God is and how much he freaking loves you, fam. So I hope y'all have an amazing week, an amazing day. And don't forget how loved you are because you are very, 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 very loved. Jesus loves you and so do I. Bye. Yo, that's a wrap, fam.